future of economics. All right, folks, welcome to Blackout at Sunrise. Today's guest is Seb, a.k.a. Seb Dog, <laughs> Cork Screamo advocate. Um, Seb is a recent graduate of UCC with a first-class honours degree in finance and currently pursuing a career in international finance. Seb is also a musician who has been in bands in Cork over the years. His most recent band, Terriers, who are playing their final gig tomorrow night, isn't it? In yeah, Fred's. Fred's, yeah. With um, good old fucking support from rock heroes, Hope is Noise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boys. cheers man for coming on so yeah I put up a message on Facebook basically saying looking for participants to come on and chat about recent developments in the, the Greek economy and the, the kind of current state of the nation there with regards to their huge debt and I know they recently went to the polls to let the Greek people decide whether um, they should comply with the demands of the ECB and to me it sounds like it's quite similar to what went on here but um, you might tell me wrong is it a, is it a correct assumption to say that it's a similar problem there was it like consequential of huge public spending and dependence on a single like asset like you're saying like the property market or something yeah i mean it, it was definitely uh I, it's not it's we're different in a way that we'd never get a referendum for something like that but uh <laughs> yeah yeah it is i mean uh, ireland got into trouble from having deficits even though we were taking in money and we were, have very competitive international tax rates and all that mm. but greek the greek people since the mid 90s uh, overspent they had big deficits but the problem with that is they always understated their deficits right before election. So if an election was coming up, they say everything's not as bad as you say. Then as soon as the election is done, they say actually our deficit's bigger than what, what, what we did say. It's a political game. like it's Yeah, I mean, it, that's not unique at all degree. So that happens in Mexico. I mean, it happened just before they de-pegged to the US dollar and it, that was the peso or the tequila crisis or the peso effect, you know. Okay. I mean, every, almost every country does that. They'll delay bad news till after an election. And I think it was up until about 2007, I think it was. I think I have it down here. Around two, I was just before 2009, after the crash. Yeah. Uh, there was a new government elected and they said, uh, actually, this our deficit is 13.6% of economic output. Mm. And the last two years, 2007, 2008, was actually way worse than what we thought. And so that kind of led... Is that here or in, in Greece? That was in Greece. Okay. That was in Greece. So to consider, do you remember our, we were told Ireland's locked out of the bond market? They stood up and said, we're locked out. Or they, they said, this time last year, we were locked out of the bond market and now we're back in because we're on the road to recovery because okay. austerity measures have kind of worked to, to an extent. Yeah. At that, at our worst, we were at 12%. Our bonds were 12%. At their worst, around 2009, the Greek bonds were 35%. And when you say it, uh, at 12% and 35%, no, you say, is that... It's a 10-year treasury bond. Okay, okay. And is that, a, a, the 35%, is that an interest rate on That's the bond? That's the interest rate on the bond. So the higher the interest rate is, the worse it is. Like, yeah. I mean, they're not giving money. It's risk and return. Like, I mean, it's too risky. I mean, 12% is out of the game. Okay. Right now, Greece is at around, I think it's 18%. I actually wrote down a little timeline here. So in, in just before, on the 1st of January 2009, they're at 5.2%. Still quite high in fairness. Mm. Uh, then it went up to 37.5% in 2011, around the time we were at 12%. Okay. Uh, from, they were from between 9 and 12% up until April. They were, it was getting there after the elections around January. Okay. Uh, or sorry, after the unrest was coming in. And then directly after the new government was elected, it, it kind of floated around between 9 to 12 and almost up to 13. Okay. And then when the big news was coming in June 29th, they went up at 35%. There was a change. So they went up to 13%, a 35% jump, and then Jesus. up to 18%, which is a 22% change on July 6th. And that's just from the previous day. I'm not saying from the previous figure, but... Yeah. So overnight news, July 6th would have been the oh, the, the closing, the closing, close of business after the Oxy vote came in, the no vote. Okay, okay. Was it surprised that they, they went for a no vote? Or I don't it? think so, no. no. I mean, when you consider... I saw actually Yanis Varoufakis. Yeah. He resigned his position as... He resi- I'd, I'd say he resigned to the extent that they needed someone to who was a better negotiator. Okay. It, there's a joke going around because he's from, got, his, got his education in the University of Exeter and the new guy, uh, I can't pronounce his name, is Sakalotis? Sakalotis? <laughs> Sakalotis? I haven't, Sakalotis. I haven't actually he's got... vegetarian. Because I've only, I've been away from my computer a bit. I've only been able to read his name. I haven't heard it spoken yet. Okay, okay. It's like thinking the word chameleons, chameleon, until you hear it. <laughs> uh, you he, mean it's not chameleon? <laughs> it's not chameleon. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he was educated in Oxford that's a bit of a joke but he's just a bit more uh, open to, yeah. to negotiation apparently that's what I've been reading in I even my I five free articles for the <laughs> Journal of Finance before I, I get to pay I follow him on Twitter and he was kind of uh, he was saying recently about um, you know he was in talks with the with the ECB and the, the whatever and he was describing the media as being toxic and he was being like he seems to be like quite a harsh guy but he sa- he doesn't hold his punches you know he just says what he says yeah. and 
but uh, yeah. Are you saying Yanis or the new guy? Yanis. Yanis. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. has a book called, the Glo- uh, thanks to Eamon Redmond for sending this to me, mm. called The Global Minotaur, talking about how international finance in America in particular is the global minotaur that mm. orchestrated the crash so they could benefit. And I don't think there's any truth to that, really. I mean, that he isn't, I mean, he isn't directly saying that, but a lot of the articles I've been reading about are saying some banks orchestrated and hid their debt mm. so they could profit from it. I wouldn't say that's necessarily accurate. Banks are allowed to sell credit to false swaps. Banks are allowed to take, and hedge funds in particular, are allowed to take bets on whether or not a, a country will recover. You know, they're allowed to get into, involved in fixed income arbitrage. They could have lost the bet. They could have won it. So to the extent that someone's going to say, you know, a bank, they just deliberately tried to ruin Greece. We talked earlier about saying, would they have been better in the drachman without the euro? Yeah. To the extent that a weak country within the euro, you know, is not going to be able to benefit as well as Germany. You know, that's true. You know, they're not going to be able to export and have as much power. Because as the sheer size of the agree or the German economy. Yeah, and I mean, if, if you could, if we had different, if we all use euros and we're worth different amounts, you know, the German, t- the German euro to the to the American would be a lot, you know, yeah. stronger than the Greek euro. T- and again, that would just be drachma. Again, relative to the... What if the drachma was just panning out? You'd be looking at like th- those third generational attacks, those crises whereby the market decides that your currency isn't performing. So it'd be a self-fulfilling prophecy in which uh, f- far more investors would come in and try and ruin the currency at their at their benefit. It happens before and then... Okay. It happens and too. Really, it confuses the crap. Yeah. I mean, th- that's, there's two sides to all of it. I mean, the euro... If they do drop out of the euro and go back to the drachma, I mean, they can't go back to the drachma and stay in the EU because it's not part of the policy. It's, it's illegal. So they have to pay, they have like, they like 3.1 billion, is it? to the 330 billion is their total debt. It's they, a, oh. But they're, they're due to our payment in like a couple of weeks. Oh, of yeah. 3. Well, they, they're actually, they're overdue. 1.6 billion was overdue now, a couple of days old to the IMF. The treasury bills, open treasury bills are due on Friday, 2 billion. Uh, the, they're owed the IMF on July 13th, 456 million. Then on the 17th, uh, 1 billion and their short term bills and then the ECB on the 20th of this month they're oh, 3.4 ish 3.3 I think that's what the figure talking and about and these are that. all things that have been laid down to them by the IMF so they've received the bailout from the IMF these are all older this is from the, the all these figures are from the 2010-2012 bailouts okay and they're so, so how many bailouts have they received then they received one in 2010 one in 2012 I think the uproar is what and I'm quoting from Anil Kashyap's paper from the University of Chicago, the Booth Business School here, yeah. in which he said they should have just defaulted on in 2010. Okay. And I kind of think maybe they should have just inst- took the Malaysia route. They're, at this point, they had sold a lot of, they had been funding their deficit by selling treasury bills, not really, not taking emergency EL, emergency liquidation assistance, not ELA. They had just been selling bonds and taking loans, you know, mm. funding it from the outside, exactly like Ireland did, you know. Okay. But what happened was France and Germany owned a lot of that. And if they went under, France and Germany stood to lose a lot of that and a lot of the banks within and without of and outside of Europe would have lost a lot on that, on the Greek bonds. So they were, God, a lot of people think they were harangued into taking that first bailout. Dominic Strauss-Kahn was the head of the IMF at this point and he put in a stress test to say that austerity measures would work mm. and that if they took this package they'd be able to get out of debt. But by 2012 when the new package was being agreed, the IMF themselves, Strauss-Kahn was gone. And this, I think Draghi was about to come in or was just uh, just coming in. Uh, they said that that stress test was a bit inaccurate. It wasn't it wasn't fully accurate. And again, whether I don't think that was done on purpose, just it's very, very hard to stress test. We've seen it happen with the property market, with credit credit agencies, the three biggest in the world, failing to get adequate models just to see just how risky lending is or derivatives are, you know. And in, in the same way, it happens in international finance. They, the, the IMF said this is a good idea this is a good measure and I, I believe they would have thought that where what people argue is that they t- Strauss-Kahn was coming out here looking to looking for a career in politics in France he wanted to get there so he wanted French people to be in a good position say look I got you your money back here or Germany as well have a good relationship with them it's kind of counterintuitive to the whole you know the, well it seems to me um, you know like the, the euro was put in to kind of have one European community you know but still yeah every little country is still kind of protecting their own little corner and even we see yeah. Ireland protecting their corporate oh, yeah. tax rate that's of course still, yeah that's yeah. still a 12.5% or something is it and just under yeah oh sorry it was 13 it was 12.5% was it okay yeah and they tried to cheat or, or what, as part of the Irish bailout were, were they trying to put restrictions on Ireland or not restrictions but imposing that they would have to change their corporate tax level I, I'm not I'm not certain as well if that's part of the bailout I think we've constantly been under pressure and I know there's a 
uh, there's always talks of, to, of us to change our corporate policy but you know the heads of our state always kind of say that we have a right to be competitive in the tax market I'm not sure if it was part of a bailout agreement okay okay I think most of ours were to do with austerity measures I mean our, our biggest measure and people forget quickly enough is we we, we paid we paid decent tax you know we paid t- decent tax rates 22 and 42 20 and 42 yeah income tax like income yeah. tax and yeah. then on top of that we got a USC up as much as 7% you know yeah public servants took up to 7 pay cuts in a in a, in a plus period high, the, the VAT on, on everything our VAT is gigantic I mean yeah, it's 23% no. I buy everything in town now I buy all my guitar stuff in town because yeah. I was like there's no point to me buying it from the internet anymore really no. there's no break anywhere so and also I guess I'd like to bit of a hipster I support local but and, uh, you also you show, All your, are. show your face enough in town they'll, they'll hook you up with a good Man, deal but it makes sense but if you go into any shop now and you like some one shop in particular who sells guitars and stuff that if you ask for a price on, on an item they'll go okay let's let me just check home and you know yeah they have to be competitive I'm, I'm kind of getting better deals than you would online now I yeah. think because I, I go in and I, I mean I went into a shop in town and I bought a pedal board and a and a big four part delay pad and I got a massive deal on it I was like yeah. that's like great because I, I, it's the shop I'd always go to yeah. it pays uh, the shop local sorry it, it does yeah and local. I came in next week then and, and I, I got a pedal uh, another pedal I was like man I'm just going to get a pedal in there again and I got another sweet deal Yeah, you know sweet deal maybe that's because you're so handsome <laughs> maybe it's because it's because I'm, I'm saving on deliveries like 15 quid to get something yeah. delivered online anyway. I was looking at Tom the other day I was going to order yeah. strings for guitars and sure like, the strings are cheap but then you're like 15 15 euro. delivery should go on in that's another I mean, buy enough packs of strings, go in and buy 10 packs of strings. I was wondering how long it would take us to veer from the I know, yeah. economy Sorry, to Sorry, to talk about the 2010 bailout, again, that's, that's it's hearsay to an extent. I mean, did the IMF come out and say that the stress testing wasn't sufficient? They did. I don't think Dominic Strauss-Kahn did it on purpose. I don't think, you know, DSK. But uh, I think... <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but so what happened then is uh, the austerity measures came in, Right. And they said, you need to start reducing, reducing your spending and increasing your revenue hikes. I mean, that's the new Sapiris's, his three demands are, we want some of these revenue cuts gone a bit. Mm. We want our uh, our tax hikes gone a bit. Sorry, the revenue hikes and the tax and the spending cuts gone there too. And then the third being a break on some of the unfair loans they feel they had taken. Okay. So t- 2012 came around and they did take another one. It, this saw the ECB, this is where it kind of gets a bit interesting. This saw the ECB taking... Greek, buying up Greek bonds at this point 2012 where are we at we're looking at still probably looking around 20-ish percent you know mm-hmm. I mean, if it was 37.5 in 2011 still very high but once the ECB comes in and guarantees that their interest rates are going to drop a lot ECB says not only are we going to buy Greek bonds we're going to take Greek bonds as collateral so at this point Germany and France can take this and say hey here's our collateral we got all these Greek bonds give us a loan you know okay. and it's say oh okay it's like you got to pay that back but, and if they say hey we got to pay back that loan it's like just keep the collateral it's fine it's got all those Greek bonds <laughs> how does that work man so it you could can work sell, you can use debt as collateral as yeah collateral. you can use anything as collateral yeah yeah. it's a, a debt instrument still an asset really in, 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 in some senses well, I mean that's what they could have done I'm not saying that's what they did done it's yeah. possible that's what they could have done okay. I'm just saying what are, they're in, France and Greece's sorry France and Germany's immediate position before pre-2010 where they stood to lose a lot their immediate position of being in that position decreased significantly now they just had loaned them money okay. you know uh, and then so after this this ECB kept taking Greek bonds as collateral for a while I mean it's only recently they kind of stopped that so I mean that's again you I mean if you were to go to the wholesale not you but if you were, yeah. or, were if you were a financial institution you were go to, going to go to the wholesale money market and you wanted to use collateral and you didn't want to put up a load of good mortgages or a load of car loans as mortgage as uh, collateral. You could just get yourself some Greek debt there, put that up as collateral. Whoa! As far as that's, I understand it, that's mad. I actually never had thought of that before. That you could use, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you and I can't go to the wholesale money market like that. <laughs> an institution could. Like, Why the hell not? Why not? <laughs> Let's do it. They respond well. I mean, they only respond to lads who do curls. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I curl like the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> Only my hair though. So, okay, Greece, where is it now? How, in terms of them paying back the three whatever billion in the next couple of weeks, mm. are they anywhere close to it? No, I mean... And if they don't, will they default? Will they be... It's, I mean, Sunday night's what we're talking about now. The timeline's going to be... I mean, another thing we're mentioning here is it's not just up to Greece anymore, is it? It's There's a kind of a three or four stage timeline being set up. I only had a quick look at it there before I came out. Because like I said, I, I, I don't pay for the full online subscription. I usually just buy Who my does? paper. So I'm, I use my fi- my fifth free article. I got you know, a little bit of grey. <laughs> I started to time out. This is all grey though. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what you're telling me. So, uh, well, I mean, Greece, if they if they 
they have to agree to take it. They have to agree to new measures. I think they'd be slow to do that. I mean, I'm glad they voted no, really. They, it's not really going to make that much of a difference. The problem is, by the end of 2014, what we're looking at is, oh, sorry, from 2010 to 2012, they did reduce their deficit. They actually did do that, just not enough. And by the end of 2014, they had actually started taking in more revenue than they were spending. Oh, really? But because of the interest on their debt, they were still in deficit. Oh and this is the end of 2014. At this point, 25% of the country are out of, out of work. 50%, almost 50% is that, of that is the youth Youth, that's how, I mean, okay. Spain was 42% of the, up, up to 25-year-old males and females of the ta- of the labour un- force. Unemployed. Unemployed. So oh. that's what you're looking at. It was co- coming close to half. And then it was just like civil unrest. You're like, well, why are we doing this? We, we've, we've done everything you asked, but mm. the interest, it's just not working out. So that's that's where the changes started to happen. That's we got the left government coming in. And okay. Man, it's, it seems like a, a huge failing of the capitalist system. We might get onto that <laughs> in a second. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is and it isn't, I think. I mean, it's, I think, I mean, to the extent that Greece were overspending, I don't know their exact figures. I should have looked at probably before coming on here, but mm. we had a bad deficit and we got it under control. We're out of it. We were kind of the, the poster boy, the gold. But even though we're still, if you look at any American like Alan Greenspan or anything, he thinks if Greece, or he would have thought that if Greece left and the euro will collapse and we'll all go back to our punts. And I'm sure we've all been in the pub and heard people saying, I'm telling you now, if you go into Bank Ireland, they'll give you a punt if you ask for it. But it's not true. <laughs> But uh, they we, might give you a punt, but it might be worth anything. Might be worth like, oh, this is what I've had in my pocket for ten years. <laughs> I just crack open that frame at home with your old punts <laughs> in it. If in, a, in the case of emergency break glass, yeah, not. <laughs> but I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they didn't burn all the punts we gave them. But at the same time, but so yeah, I mean, if the if uh, the Greek Greeks need to uh, uh, agree this, need, the terms need to be agreed, and also the Euro ministers need to agree the the deal. Sixteen out of eighteen were happy enough to let them fail. In, in a recent Maybe. secretish poll not secretish it was on Bloomberg so <laughs> <laughs> but six, they had, uh, well here's the thing though I don't I think they've got uh, a bit of a knight in shining armor coming at him in the, fra- in the face of Francois Hollande uh, Francois uh, he I mean he's got an election coming up in two years and he wants that I mean a po- I'd hired a politician is self-preserving his first you know, they always say my first goal is to get taxed down their first goal no, is to get elected not, yeah, exactly. to stay in power which is fine. I mean, I absolutely agree with that and I wouldn't criticise that for a second. That's how, if you do want to make a difference, you have to get in power first. So I'm not going to criticise that for a second. Mm. Um, he doesn't want to be seen as a German puppet. You know, he wants to be seen as his own man and the French people do want the Greeks to be helped out. They just don't want to give him any more money, you know? Yeah, yeah. But Francois Hollande is coming in is, and I read on BBC and later on on Bloomberg uh, was that he was thinking of him, giving them the 7.2 bill. You know, that would, that would cover him for the 3.3 I mean, the emergency liquidation they were looking for was like around six, seven billion anyway. Mm. So he was thinking... Is that just to keep the country afloat? Keep them afloat. I mean, mm. that's just a... It's all about just keeping one foot in front of the other at this point. I mean, getting their debt down to manageable levels, some of it would have to be forgiven to, to yeah. get it ever down, like 330 billion. That's 180% of their GDP. Jeez, you know? that's insane. What was, the, what, was, what was the debt in Ireland at its... Oh, it was, I was I can't even remember now. I'm sorry. But it wasn't. It wasn't anywhere close. It wasn't to that, that was it? bad. I don't think it was that much. Yeah. Oh, there was it. It was insurmountable. Like, I mean, yeah. we'll never not pay it off. Like, yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> what was it? It's crippling. It's hard to even consider the amounts of money that it is. You yeah, know? it's like, crazy. Whether it's a hundred billion or two hundred billion, like to you or me, it's like it's almost it's 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 intangible. It's you know? it's not real money. Yet. I no. mean, that's why I say it's about keeping one foot in front of the other. It's not like you know. I owe the bank five grand. I'll pay him back 500 a month or whatever, you know. It's not really like that, is it? Because the interest on this thing as well. Can I ask you this? Okay, uh, sorry if I break your train of thought. No, no problem. If, if the whole, like the European, there's so much instability in, in Europe as a whole and Greece needs X amount of money and Ireland needs X amount of mm. money and Spain and Portugal, blah, blah, blah. Where does this money come from? Again, the initially. I know the European Stability Fund or mechanism yeah. was set up. Was that in 2010, was it? I can't remember. I think sorry. it was set up in 2010, but fair enough. They're funding yeah. countries to get a, them out of a hole and keep them keep them yeah, going, basically. But where does all that money come from, you know? I guess, well, all that emergency, the ELA, all that stuff just comes from the ECB, from the central bank. But where did they get their money? Where did they get the money? They, I mean, it's a com- they, I mean they, the, the thing about, we were talking about earlier about the euro mm. and uh, if they had been in the drachma, if they were in the drachma, they could have maybe helped themselves out by printing more money, devaluing their currency, or if they were fixed to a currency, depegging like uh, the peso did. Uh, the, the European Central Bank can print money. I mean, number one, they, they can literally print money. Mm. It'll make it not as valuable. So, but they yeah. can't do that. 
I mean, they can. But it, that, again, that's kind of oh, that's counterintuitive. But they loan the again. Think a central bank is going to loan money out to to, to banks. To, the, the central bank, a central bank, can loan money out to institutions mm. and require that they keep a you know sorry that require they keep a capital reserve of ten percent to a fractional reserve banking, mm. and then loan out nine. That bank will loan out ninety, and then they'll keep the ninety one and loan it out. Uh, they get an interest back on that. They, they're gonna they're gonna get payback on that, and, and it's gonna turn into more money. It's like that criticism we were talking earlier about that film Zeitgeist, which is a bit mental. But yeah, uh, yeah, they're talking about the Fed create money, and it just that money they create turns into more money. And the Fed's a private, yeah, private company essentially. Really, I mean they're like the Federal Reserve. In the the Federal Reserve, yeah. I mean yeah. they they'll get take money, loan it out, and take a percentage in just to keep people taking over. You know, yeah. So I mean they they get interest on that. They can print money. They get interest from loans. So and I, that's the wholesale money market we're talking about then. in a sense and there's I, no finite amount of money in the world you know no you can keep I mean the more money you print the less valuable yeah. it is you oh, end up yeah. with your Zimbabwe situation but yeah. I mean we're yeah so we were talking about what if they do default uh, if they do default they can't get money from. Um, they can't go to these wholesale money markets like again just to be uh, tangible and clear on it a, a, a bank can go to a wholesale money market and get it off another bank and you're looking at LIBOR rates and interbank rates you know but uh, in this instance if Greece do default and they try to stay in the eurozone or they won't be able to get euros they won't be able to fund themselves because no one's going to loan them money till they pay back the IMF if they do if they do default and they leave the euro they have to and they go back to drachma they'll have to leave the EU because that's part of our laws with them. It's illegal to go back to your currency. And if they do do that, they'll still have to pay back the IMF. The ECB will be burnt. They won't be paid back, probably. They w- they'll, they'll be paid back fractional amounts. But the IMF will chase them up for that money. They'll continue to chase them for the money they're owed. There's no hiding. There's no hiding from the IMF. You can hide. The ECB will, you can, there's a, you know, they'll say, look, oh, that's it. We loaned you and we're gone. That sucks. We took all this Greek debt as collateral. We shouldn't have done that. But the IMF will keep chasing them and they probably won't be able to get money until till they pay them back which is a bit of a dose yeah it's a long time down the road it's a long well, time or begin to pay them back and get measures in place to pay them back there was talk of China funding Russia then Russia funding Greece oil's back under 52 a barrel man you know Russia's not going anywhere China's not going to loan anyone anything they halted China just halted large shareholders from selling stock for six months it's section 47 of their trading agreements like what the their version of the SEC yeah. Securities and Exchange Commission you buy a stock, you can sell it within six months, no problem. If you take, a, if you t- even if you take a large position, that's gone. They're, they're stopping people doing that. If you bought it, if it's gone, it's gone. If you've sold, that's fine. But if you're trying, if you're in process, if you're a over five percent stakeholder in a company, you're trying to sell it. Got to wait six months. Can't uh, sell it. Uh, uh, for they what ju- reason? The Chinese stock market just dropped eleven times the GDP of Greece. It's they dropped nearly twenty two percent. Oh, it's that's the news now. I mean, Greece is old news. China's the news now, man. <laughs> Greece can go on away. <laughs> China's what's up yesterday the New York Stock Exchange stopped trading for almost three hours I think because of a technical issue maybe I don't know what that is I'd assume it is a technical issue because New York Stock Exchange is a good exchange they're good for blue chip companies you know you know they go to NASDAQ for technological companies up and coming companies the NYSE is blue chip you know that's good strong dividend paying companies so I'd have to assume that's just a technical issue but and the conspiracy theorists would have a field day with that era one. yeah I never I think conspiracy th- again like we were talking about it, the nature of economics mm. and uh, conspiracy theorists only really consider one angle it's like what's the what are they saying it's got to be the opposite whereas if you're looking at any nature any even if you're just valuing a company you have to look at everything what are the pluses what are the bads due diligence like and then come up with your own idea and decide what a company is worth Again, I mean, that's what we're, if, if we, I don't know, I don't know if you asked me this, but I have it written down here is what's going to happen to Europe. <laughs> Just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen to Euro if the default happens? Right now, our, our goods are cheap to export. Yeah. You know, because prices are sticky in the short run, looking at, you know, different models of economics, like there's the ISLM and the Dornbush and all that. And the Dornbush kind of being a combination of a lot of models. Uh, the It will say that in the short term, prices are sticky. Just in a very simple matter, we can't say, oh god the, the, the euros after becoming devalued we need to up our prices really quick can't do that so in the short term our price we become competitive and there's a transfer of wealth from people with surpluses to people with deficits that's the transfer effect uh, so at the moment Germany's going to make some money by exporting Ireland we're exporters we might make a little something something but it all kind of came down to our euro being weak isn't just down to Greece it's down to Switzerland as well you know Okay. we were pegged to the Swiss franc the CHF because it's a haven and that stood by us 
and they they always said we're, we'll be pegged we'll be fixed don't worry about it uh, even the night before they're like we're always going to be pegged in, in the morning we're out gone the Swiss it's Frank flo- Swiss Frank's floated and then gone our US our the euro to USD changed euro to sterling changed euro to CHF changed was, and is that is that reason why the, the euro has been the so euro weak got, re- got weak, yeah, relative, related to the dollar and relative, relative to all of it yeah because we were this CHF was propping us up you know it was, it was saying oh the CHF it's fixed at the CHF it is and CHF is a haven they're good lads is the C- that's the Swiss Swiss, Swiss, Swiss franc sorry okay. yeah I always called CHF I used to work uh, when I was at work we, I worked on the Swiss market we always called it CHF okay uh, oh, I used to call it I used to never call it Swiss franc I'd always call it something else for the laugh I can't remember what <laughs> I used to have a good name for it just Frankie but that's I mean you, and, and, and on the corollary of that if you think about Switzerland their goods got expensive to us so lint notorious dividend payers you know why, uh, why was the link so firmly to the Swiss franc uh, it was just an agreement we had with the euro euro and Swiss were saying we I mean we are putting is the Swiss pa- is the Swiss economy that big that it could it's it's a I mean it's it holds I mean our our laws really are made in Switzerland the Basel Accords Basel 1, 2, 3 and now 4 will be made soon how much how much money a bank has to keep you know, six months worth of liquidity, what capital reserves they need to have in case there's a run on the banks, what types of uh, assets they need to keep. You know, it used to be a case where convertible bonds could be kept, but they're only really good when times are good. You know, a convertible bond gets to a certain... You know what a convertible bond is? I don't know. You'd buy... It's a dead instrument that if it got to such a price or if it got to such a uh, such a state, it would convert to stock or convert to an asset. Uh, or so... It's only really good if, if if times are good. It's like oh, it's, it's getting to a really good state. It's good, or you could it could be reverse as well. But in bad times, you need to draw on your assets, and your convertible bonds are going to be worth less. And so now you're trying to draw on these things that are going down in mm. bad times, you know. So it's not the best idea. Okay. It's just the types of assets you need to keep. That's yeah. decided in Basel by world leaders, but it comes out of Switzerland. Mm. You know, it's, it's Swiss money. You know, it's Swiss banks, Swiss bank account. It's a nice. Was there any reason why they didn't um, <laughs> take on the euro as their? Because they're sensible, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it just it, um, they had their own thing going on. It's same with Norway. Did Norway didn't even join the EU? The they wanted UK. to keep their fisheries. UK, it's a combination of a sense of pride for the sterling and the fact that they, you know, we have our own currency. That's us. And the sense that again, they know Swiss know they're strong. England know they're strong. They're always going to be. They didn't want the periphery countries to damage their currency. And the it's I mean, a sense of control, really. Yeah. But like, I, I think, you know, in the recent uh, British election, one of the things the Tories are pushing as as um, as a, a part of their campaign was that they would have a referendum next year whether Britain should stay in and out yeah, of the yeah. euro, you know. And that that yeah. is something. That, what, what, what would be the ripple effect if someone like... Britain left. Britain left the euro. Consider, I mean, if you had a... If you have a team of 15 lads playing rugby and uh, all the, all the four of the forwards, you know, you got got your eight boys, yeah. you know, you got four very, very good lads at the front, you know, yeah. and then the kind of back, the back four aren't great. If all of a sudden your prop, your star prop jumps out and you got to sub in like a scrum half to play prop, you know, all of a sudden one of the backs has to come in and one of the weaker guys has to go forward. I think that's my favourite analogy <laughs> for economics that I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, Sean O'Brien's out. He's, we're going to have to get... Uh, we'll have to Peter get, Stringer. Peter Stringer's coming out of retirement. Yeah. No, yeah. Connor Murray's in playing prop. Yeah. <laughs> Connor put up a good old show I think he would yeah it's like he could do anything that guy <laughs> what sure. a hero he'd get it done he would get it done um, yeah the ripple effect would be quite bad yeah I mean do you think it's impossible would they uh, would they campaign to stay in the euro or the, not the euro but in the, the EU, EU yeah. I think I don't know how it's going to go I hope they stay in although I get paid in sterling now so I don't know okay. relative to the year I'd like to come home at some point and have my sterling be worth more you're euro. wearing a Union Jack t-shirt oh no <laughs> no he's not be true Fat actress, yeah, <laughs> representing Cork City Hardcore. <laughs> um, I mean, it's the single currency thing was an experiment, everyone always exper- explains it as that, but it is. I mean, it's strange. I mean, you talked about one cohesive, one cohesive area, the EU, but it's not acting like that. And you know, if if you were to go to if you were to go to I don't know, if, if someone comes here with their euros, stuff's more expensive here relative there. I mean, purchasing power parties is not going to hold that well between countries that have disparate economic levels mm. and we're using the same currency. If you were a kid, you'd go to Spain and you'd get your change into, I'm about to say peso, what was the Spanish currency back in the day? Um, peseta. Okay. Get your peseta. And you'd be like, you'd be like, oh my God, everything's so cheap. This ca- this Coke is, you know, yeah. and then if you consider actually what was the, what are their interest rates at their banks? What's the currency and what's their purchasing power? Equilibrium, pro- equilibrium probably holds in the long run there. Mm. But now that we're going to Spain and I can get a can of Coke here for a euro, and I go to Spain and it's like 40 cent, you know. Mm, mm. It, 
doesn't really make that much sense, does it? Where's the purchasing power, par- purchasing power parity there? You know, even depending on what their interest rates are for the layman going, going from A to B, mm. you know. Even on a global level, though, you know, you know, we were saying there earlier before we hit record, like, like everything seemed to go tits up in the states because mm. it's subprime lending, and then Northern yeah. Rock, there was that that mm. collapsed in the UK, yeah. so. I suppose in a sense, in effect, it's not purely a eurozone crisis. No, it's a global all. crisis. And I mean, this all started because of. I mean, you could argue it started because of the, dot com bubble in two thousand and one. It's okay. it take it would take a while to explain. I could give you a very quick synopsis, but uh, hit me with that. Just in after two thousand and one, after the crash in two thousand and one, the f- the Fed tried to had to lower the rates. Right, look, we got a, a one of the methodologies of dealing with crisis is to adjust your interest rates. Then banks were like, oh, there's not really much money out there to be lent. Well, we can't really get money. Can't make that much money on our margins. Can't push a lot of volume to our margins. We need to come up with new ideas to make money, you know? And then started to push CDOs a lot more heavily. CDOs are... Sorry, credit... Uh, sorry, collateralized debt obligations. I'll start with credit. I know why I do that. Collateralized debt obligations. So what that would have been, just a CDO would have been, you could package up some house loans, car loans, personal loans, and get it, say they're all safe loans, into tranches. We've... We're okay. all sick of hearing that word, and sell those off. Okay, so that's your collateral again. That's the collateral, that's, yeah. and that's a that's a, a debt package you sell. It's off your books. You're going to keep a little margin as well. You're going to keep a little piece of that. But so the, the flows, the cash flows are flowing to the investor now, but you still keep a little margin. You take that margin, loan that out, more debt. You pull it in, package that, sell it off, and you're always keeping this little margin. And banks wanted to push as much volume as they can through this margin. So they're borrowing money on the wholesale money market and they're pushing it through these little margins mm. trying to generate as much capital as they can turns who would have known property is popular you know yeah, yeah, so all of a yeah. sudden all these CDOs that were supposed to be mixed up with different things are just home loans they're becoming RMBSs residential mortgage backed securities you know but again they were just being called CDOs for a while and it was just mortgages and again so they got all the best guys you want a mortgage you got a good job two of you got a job there's your mortgage yeah. then the subprime came along they were like we need more volume we need to start lending out and then of course the collateral that it was sitting, they say, "Oh, sorry, I can't pay back. I can't pay back. I can't back. I can't pay back." So the value, the value of the homes going down on top of this because the peak, the bubbles after being burst. Mm. So they're trying to draw down on this collateral that isn't worth as much as they loaned out. I loaned out two hundred grand against this house. It's worth eighty grand now, you know. So then it all comes crashing down. That happened in Ireland. Happened in America. Happened in Britain. You know, happened all over. That's mad that it could have spawned from like. Yeah, like it could have been that. I, I don't really know if that's it, but it does it. Someone, something, to, someone told me that once. And I thought it sounded okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it sounded really nice to me as well. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what to make of it, but <laughs> someone like being back to the conspiracy theorists, oh, it's God, always yeah. nice to have a little it's bit a of little conspiracy. Bit of weird, yeah. Zeitgeist again, you know they they put forward the theory that okay, the likes of <laughs> the bigger banks like Goldman Sachs or whatever mm. would have foreseen this and in some ways would have plotted to create this global economic downturn yeah in a sense so that they could go away and like buy up a lot of public assets and like create a bigger private sector and like say like the likes of nama i know you know where there's a yeah, load of yeah a load yeah. of stock that has been sold for like maybe 20 percent of what it would have been worth originally so yeah i think i'd like to talk to these conspiracy theorists and they mm-hmm. think how and their what they think the nature of valuation is and what they how they think people are people's risk and return appetites you know they kind of tend to come up and say I think I remember reading, listening to Zeitgeist it's like I know a guy who knows a guy who's in Rothschild and they said there's going to be a war coming and we're going to crash the property market your man's got a, like a behind the screen and a wobbly voice put over him you know they never really mention any of the any of the facts or figures really Yeah. you know I mean the crash came about for many reasons I mean the CDOs is one thing the RMBS is one thing the vo- again rule number one of financial innovation is it takes off very quickly usually much quicker than we can comprehend it'll evolve it'll spawn other parts mm. and I can get back to that in a second and people get into it quick and they get out of it quick once it starts to turn people jump because people are jumpy man people think they are you know better than the market when they come in they try to invest people are uh, by and large I don't think people are that risk averse mm. they're not rational they just come in and start buying stuff mm. and then they sell it well, especially like me with amps <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see that's my problem I buy amps and don't sell them once. yeah <laughs> Well, this, I mean, one of the things there that I was talking about for the the crash again is, I mean, did the banks foresee it? I mean, the banks tr- tried to do what banks do. They tried to push the volume through their margins. People were buying. And they, they obliged. There are agencies out there called credit rating agencies who are supposed to rate these tranches, these bonds, and give them AAA ratings, you know. Give them a B, give them a B plus junk bond rating. 
there's three of the biggest ones in the world. I'm sure you know who they are. I don't know. There's Fitch, Moody's, and Stanley, Standard and Poor's. Uh, they come along. They they rate these. You know, but the problem is the big money was in creating these new derivatives. You know, so the best talent wasn't really going to the credit agencies, even though they did have very very good talent. I'm not trying to say that they don't, but they weren't able to come up with models to model the danger or the risk or the variation in risk, the value at risk of these these uh, these derivatives. And so, and again, I think they were. They were get, because they weren't able to model it as well they were getting away they were making adjustments to the models and going on gut and I think they gave 12% what they found after they gave 12% more AAA ratings than they should have and a lot of those led to downgrading now downgrading in a bond is just poison like once it goes down everyone's just like oh see they ya. walk away get out of here yeah. then you get the hedge funds coming in buying it up because things drop more always recover a little you know like the Bank of Ireland I'll say this though I mean the SEC did a a review into the agent credit credit rating agencies and they found no fraudulent activity so i'm not trying to say that they were fraudulent i'm just saying that things took off at a lightning pace and like all financial innovation it got out of hand a bit quick speaking of fraudulent behavior have you seen that the there's a criminal investigation into some in the psni investigating um some nama sales some oh, like really? nama properties in the north of ireland have been sold but there's like it's linked to a politician and blah 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 oh, no, the PSNI are oh man i didn't know that I, man, I, for when i heard it, awesome. it was like the psni investigating this i would never have put them yeah. investigating like a financial you never fraud. hear that no so you just well, like supposed like busting in a door going Whatever. show me these papers <laughs> show me your records we're from the south of Ireland, so we can only ever hear is like they busted him from nine bally collabs and five AKs if it's not involved, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean it's I mean fraudulent activity should be looked upon and is, is there frowned much upon stricter controls on the banks, no. There is, I mean there is now, yeah. I mean Did the financial regulator do nothing here in fucking five here, years? Yeah. I I I I gotta be straight, I don't pay the largest amount of attention to what goes on here, man. Yeah. I mean yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I went to a bank in London once, and they were like, "You know, it's Ireland's good." They're actually. I mean, we we. I think it's in our nature. We've been through like famine, mass emigration, and an eight hundred year war, and we still kind of pot, potter along. We always come from adversity, so we always get by. But he was kind of saying that. I mean, it could fall into the sea tomorrow, and it won't affect the markets that much. I yeah, don't think. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I kind of, and a lot of my study has been based around international kind of American, really. Okay. Because that's where that's where the juice is. But I mean, the stuff that goes on here is amazing. It's been an amazing time to study finance that's what I was going to ask it's you crazy, it must have been absolutely crazy it's actually a- I might take a quick break there before oh, yeah, we get into uh, you studying um, yeah we'll be back in a sec boom That failed dramatically, but it's fully staying in. Oh yeah, (laughs) trying to sing back, Barbara. Oh my god, Uh, economic fucking barbershop quartet. Oh no, we're just a couple really, aren't we? Just a couple of lads, really. (laughs) A couple of lads hanging, talking about fucking money. Yeah, so what we finished up there. You were gonna, you were just gonna talk about what it was like to study in this crazy economic period very interesting because it's all been unfolding yeah and uh, a lot of new ways of dealing with crisis are coming about quantitative easing you know I mean that's that's supposed to be very bad I was reading the quantitative easing that's basically printing money isn't it it's a combination of things it is printing money yeah Mm. but it's what you do with the money that you print so England did it and they did it in the sense that they were to target inflation because they had an inflation problem they liked it they have to keep it at 2% that's their their inflation has to be around 2%. So they're, they were under that and they wanted to increase it. I mean, high inflation is bad, but disinflation is terrible, you know. Deflation even. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they did it under the guise of that. So they tried to print money, but they wanted to stimulate economic activity in the sense that they're going to use that money to buy up bonds. They're going to use that money to buy up, you know, treasury bills. They're going to use it to invest in... I mean, ECB said they were going to use a, a, fraction, a, fra- a fraction of it the, the their printed money to invest in not startups but to invest in private private equity you know private mm. so which is venture capital I mean, private equity to me says venture capitalism you know okay so yeah I mean they're going to try and they're trying to get signaling effects to say that 
it's trying to get people's risks appetite back up to an investing kind of standard you know so the British government were trying to say we have all this money printed now we're going to buy up these bonds we're going to stimulate the market and we're going to try and get you the investor to start buying more assets and start buying bonds again because you know if it goes south we'll buy them we're buying bonds you know okay, but a, in effect if you're printing more money are you not going to be you're going to be devaluing say the sterling in, the case, yeah. in that case is it going to cost you more you know, that's hopefully it wouldn't is the thing. Mm. It's again, I mean, printing money full stop to deal. Just like printing money, we need money to pay. I mean, if Greece were in the drag when they pr- they had to print money, I mean they were they're paying for stuff with, with IOUs that are worthless. You know, yeah. for that, well, I don't know what they paid that referendum with. You know, yeah. IOUs probably, and it's not worth anything. If you're printing money for that purpose, just to pay the wage, oh, it's poison. Like yeah, poison. But if I mean, if you're printing money for to stimulate the economy, you're you're hoping that these channels, all these channels you're trying to affect, are going to be enough to counteract, counteract the negative impact of printing money. Mm. Hopefully, I mean, that's the idea. I mean, it, as I said, I mean, we were, I, we only learned about it. It happened in like t- between 2009 2010. It's the last quarter in 2009, and then it went down until like the start of 2011, something like that. Mm. And I, I think the paper I read was from 2011 anyway. And I mean, that's the job. I mean, that's, that's when I was starting, you know. I mean, that's just when it's going down. It's crazy. Yeah, I just, you don't know how the effects are going to go till there's there, I mean, they're still trying to target inflation. I don't think they're at 2% yet, but still. The the Brits. The Brits. Okay. I, last I checked, but I think they were they're there about. What's the inflation rate in Ireland? I didn't even look that. It was no. it was like one point seven three a while back, but I don't know what it is now. Okay. Um, two thousand and eight. That's when um, the agreement or that's when Anglo went. Yeah. Tilted yeah. effectively, didn't it? That's a kind of a strange one. That's. I mean, that's. I. I mean, the Irish government are. Well, Brian Cohn is a he- is is before the the commission, the bank. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's and we're he, not known for always being that open with each other, are we? I mean. Mm. If you talk about South America being possibly corrupt at points, Ireland in the eighties is up there with being some yeah. of the most corrupt governments and dealings in the world, and uh, so we don't have a great track record with that. And Anglo, there's some holes in the Anglo story, really. Mm. I, a lecturer of mine kind of talked about that. He always talked about how uh, some of the heads on of who were s- talking about how we were supposed to regulate going forward were Anglo Irish people. You know, just like here's if something goes down, here's how we're going to handle it, and it's Anglo people. T- trying to regulate how banks are being regulated, you know? Okay. All these kind of consultancy things. I mean, after, when you think about separating banks and governments or certain jobs, you know, and having transparency, if you look at accountants, now you can't, accountancy firms, the big four can't offer consulting and audit after the big scandal in Enron and Tyco and all that. Not Tyco, sorry. I take that back, unless I'd be defamatory. Worldcom, I meant to say. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, that can mean separating jobs out, but... The whole Anglo thing was a bit strange. Is they Anglo knew they weren't going to get out of something. They were just delaying the inevitable to pay off themselves. Definitely. Is, is, it, is it a kind of a, you know you send out the Anglo or the people in Anglo are making like um, not rules or whatever, but dictating how things are run? But is it an Irish thing? Are we kind of like Irish sure the lads look after that? You know, was it stupid on the part of the Irish politicians, ha- or was it no? Just it happens everywhere. I mean, if you look at pictures of Obama just after I mean, around two thousand nine, two thousand ten, the head of J.P. Morgan Chase sits to the right of him. And then J.P. Morgan Chase looking at the biggest fine of all time, and then all of a sudden he's kind of two seats to the right at conferences and stuff. So they do see. I mean, you have to. Government leaders really do have to seek the advice of, or at least liaise with banks about what's going on. Because if I had the option of working in corporate finance or being a politician, I'd take corporate finance because it pays more. Simply because it pays more. Also, I've no interest in politics. Well, in, t- in the sense of being a politician, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but re- I mean, if you consider that. You know, some of the top talent is going to go to corporate finance. So if you want some of the consulting. But I mean, there's ways around that. There's some of the best consultancy firms in the world are just over the... We have some of them right here and we have some of them just over the pond. Mm. They could look into that for you. Mm. We spent 50 million looking into Irish water. Couldn't have spent a few of that looking into I banks. Know, I know, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I just before I get ahead of myself there, I'm actually in favour of paying for water. I think Irish water is a good thing. It's just we went about it a bit weird. Yeah. Definitely we should have installed it long, long ago uh, a system whereby people are accountable for how much water they well, use. The infrastructure. The infrastructure, need. yeah. But I think, yeah, the, the method at which it was set up was just kind of... And hurried, the, yeah, the hurried. Mon- the, the, the amount of money that was spent on, like, consultancy fees was apparently quite enormous, I think. Mm-hmm. It was 150 million euros was spent on... Mm-hmm. And, like, the likes of Oracle, I think, and IBM were paid huge amounts of money. And I don't know, yeah. it just seems a bit... I, I think with Irish water, it, it was too hurried. It was hurried, yeah. And everything was a bit of a panic, and then there was like, I suppose just too much money got wasted along the way. But um, yeah, so actually, just back to Brian Cohn, he's ahead of the, he's before Mm, the commission at the moment, and he was talking with, um, or they asked him, apparently on the night of of this happening, Mm -hmm. or the, 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 when Anglo fell apart, basically, 
he it was his idea to go um with the, the guarantee scheme and Brian Linehan wanted to nationalise Anglo-Irish Bank. What would have been what would have been the difference there? Of bailing out and nationalising? Like say nationalising versus yeah, the guarantees. Yeah, it would be, be more like the Northern Rock situation. Northern Rock were nationalised as opposed to bailed out, weren't they? As far as I can recall. Mm. Yeah, I mean, bailing up, ba- they were bailed out and they eventually failed. You know, mm. if we nationalised, we could have saved them pretty much. I mean, if you consider uh, any company that's semi-state or, or is made to be part of the government, it kind of has the best of both worlds. I mean, any completely government-operated private sector area, like I say, so the government's going to come in and run this, they're going to have too much of a political agenda or the private sector being fully private sector ruled in that in that sense. Mm. And I mean by, by that, I mean they were given a bailout and they bailed themselves out. They gave each, they kept giving each other loans, man. They kept yeah kept like paying themselves off. You know, yeah. if they were nationalized, that that wouldn't happen to that extent. They they would have been t- they would have been put under a, a more stringent microscope. But much more scrutiny probably much yeah. more scrutiny but at t- on top of that more people would have lost money probably the more pub, pub, more more public people who had money in Anglo would have lost money probably but yeah nationalised would have been wor- in hindsight of course it would have worked out better because it worked out terribly it was the worst option we just kept giving them more and more money and they just kept squandering it how much did it swallow up in the end actually? I actually don't remember I can't really recall yeah. now I would huge money anyway yeah. then they, they, they loaned a l- ton of money to Sean Quinn as well yeah, have, yeah, like, yeah. billions didn't he go billions well that was a funny one wasn't it because Sean Quinn was betting on Anglo wasn't he buying up he was buying up stock in Anglo and then he took a loan off Anglo because he couldn't repay the loan to Anglo <laughs> big circular God, it's boring circle jerk I believe it's known yeah. <laughs> circle jerk yeah. so yeah you were like saying he was straight up just investing in stock in Anglo <laughs> I think and then you know he well, do, oh, he took, then he took money out of his own company to, to service that debt it was yeah, it's kind of it's very strange. That's what he got in trouble for eventually. Like was yeah. the. It like seems to be like a little model of what's going on in the on the, on the global scheme. You're borrowing money to yeah. pay off more money. Can yeah. I remember? Am I remembering that right? That Anglo situation. He was definitely buying Anglo stock. He took loans off Anglo to do that. Yeah, I'm almost certain. Yeah, and we can look into it afterwards. Yeah, anyway. yeah. fact if, check. If, that. if, if, if it's out. wrong, we can just be. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just get, be get back. Get barber shop. Get stuff. that barber hand back in there. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Um, is 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 there going to be an, is there an end in sight for all this um, economic instability and financial instability? Yeah, I mean, it comes in waves and it comes in cycles. There's different business cycles. There's different troughs, peaks, recessions, and recoveries. I mean, working on the recovery now. We're not in recession now. We're under recovery. If, if in terms of the overall global debt being owed, I'd say. Not really. It'll just someone will end up owing it to someone else. I mean, everyone says China owns America. They have a lot, but America have a lot loaned out as well. Probably as much loaned out as they do have coming in. Maybe it's not true really, but they they are notorious. They're kind of the exception. They kind of they are notorious loan uh, borrowers. Okay. But they make it work for them. I mean, for Europe, it could go a, a few ways, man. I I don't really know what where what the end would be. Usually, the end of any one big cycle is a change of. I mean, we went from the gold system to the Bretton Woods system to the fixed exchange rate system we kind of know now you know all these different systems of capital finance and capitalism i think the big thing for europe is either we whatever happens with greece here we'd either leave this experiment go and go back to individual currencies or eu expands we try to take in when we were poland are meant to take on the euro soon enough will they still do that i don't know you know Mm. i mean that's I don't know what the end in sight would be. If I knew that, I'd, I'd bet heavily, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I'm curious enough that... You wouldn't be sitting here I mean, think about me. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in, in America, the two kind of federal mortgage givers, <laughs> providers of mortgages. Mm. Uh, they were they were worth a lot of money, man. I know they were like $2.80 and like ones were like $3.40. I haven't checked it in a while. Their share value. Share value is worth nothing. And that's a penny stock right there under $5. I mean, Bill Ackman made 44% last year as a hedge fund investor for Pershing Square when the average hedge fund investor made almost less than the S&P 500 he says Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will recover at some point at some point the government is going to have to ex- forgive him for what happened and say we've got to get you back in business here so he's confident that that could happen that's that's a gigantic signal if they got back in business that's a big signal of the recovery it's a big signal saying look what happened happened we need to move forward and start creating creating money again yeah. you know but right. I mean I mean, the Nasdaq hit an all time high this year you know I mean I mean, America's getting on. Mm. Ireland's getting on. I mean, we're not in as bad a state we were. I think at the end, I mean, the end of it's, I think the end of it's come and gone. But today, we're not, I don't think we're going to be as foolish as to get 
wrapped up because Irish are, Irish are were notorious consumers. Yeah. You know, we all did the SSIA, and then as soon as that money came in, we all bought jet skis. You know, it's like we're gonna save so hard. <laughs> so boom, jet ski. But uh, what a you know, the purchase of a lifetime though. I yeah, uh, it's actually my my ultimate goal is to save up and buy my friend Eamon a jet ski because I know it will cost him so much to store it or keep it in the marina <laughs> and he'd never use it. I would like, there you go, buddy. Like, thanks. Uh, and with a stipulation, not just one jet ski, two yeah, jet skis. And he's not allowed to sell them as well. That's the stipulation. <laughs> he's like, there you go, buddy. <laughs> I was just saying my entire he, life to get him that. You could set up quite a lucrative jet ski business. Yeah. <laughs> but they always, I suppose there's no return because I just keep giving them to him and as soon as I get them. <laughs> yeah, what are the, uh, I wonder what the Bank of Ireland and AIB shares are like at the moment because I remember that. When I, yeah, when I wanted to buy it, it was 11 cent. Me and some of the boys, shout out to Connor, Bart, Dan, Brian there. Uh, we were thinking, yeah, let's get them 11 cent, let's do it. And then, or they were 8 cent. Then they went up to like 32 cent or whatever. Yeah. After about a year, they're probably still under a euro for sure. I haven't checked it. I haven't checked the bank. Yeah, these shares were up at like twenty euro each, weren't they? At the, oh, they at were the higher up the thirties, man. Yeah, really? they were up there, man. But um, got a lot of people lost a lot of money. A lot of people had pension schemes basically linked yeah. to the, the share yeah. value. I mean, your pension's just invested. You pick a, a risk level. You say, oh, I'd say, I'm sure it's like a one to five system. Pensions have again. Pensions have certain rules they can invest in. They can't invest in options. They can't insure essentially. Like an option that can be used as insurance. That's what derivatives are, they're insurance. Not to the extent that a credit default swap is insurance. Like, I'm buying insurance on that guy's car off you. Is that cool? I have nothing to do with the asset. Uh, it's more like, you know, uh, I'm going to take a bet on this stock and I'm also going to take an option on it. So if it goes down, I can exercise that option and recover some of my money and try and make a little money on the spread, you know. Hopefully, it'll go in my favour. Pension brokers can't do that. They can, inv- they can invest in companies who invest in private capital. They can invest in private equity, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. They have to be safe about it, but hedge funds aren't if they go down they're not as destructive man i mean they have they've kind of got a free reign almost you know they're getting a bit of stick now because they weren't performing so they have massive fees and they've got uh the whoever runs the the hedge fund has a stake in it so he's kind of getting double income and he also takes a cut of the profits you know so he's getting three three profits here but they can invest in whatever they like however they like they usually have a mandate but they don't have to stick to the mandate they don't have to tell you what the mandate is you know? Who sets the mandate? Is it, is it well, as in themselves, like our hedge fund mandate is we're going to invest in fixed income arbitrage or we're going to look at, you know, currencies or whatever it is they're looking at. That's But they don't really have to stick to that. They don't have to stick to it like a pension does. So pensions are bound by certain rules, rightly so, because it's public people's money. Yeah. But at that, they don't have the insurance when things start to tank. And again, pension funds, pension brokers aren't based on absolutes. If the market, if you're, if we start at, the market's at a tenner, you know, or it's up 10%, and that's what you come in at. Your pension comes in there where the market's ten percent up, and then all of a sudden the market drops six percent. So you're, I'm after I'm now down, you know, six percent of my money. But this pension pension broker only went down four percent. He's like, hey, this guy did two percent better than the market. Here's your bonus. Hedge funds are absolutes. It's like, what, here's my money. What's my return? Okay. You didn't get me a return. You didn't do. It's very good. black and white. Yeah, it's like, where's my return? You didn't get the return. Whereas pension brokers are based on, to the, to a great extent, are based on um, comparatives. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, what's next for you? I know you you graduated just this year gone. Yeah, well, I'm actually going to graduate in October. I don't think okay. I'll be around for it, but okay. maybe my parents can go or something. Yeah, so you got. Uh, I got I got my first class honors degree, and I won the uh, Deloitte Economics Prize in Finance. That was good. Nice. Spent it in one day. It was great. Oh, what was involved in that? What was it? That? I just had to get the highest economics grade for the year. Okay. And all my economic subjects. Nice. Uh, I actually drew with uh, Kate. Okay. Another classmate. That was a good one. Uh, yeah. So it was. I won a couple of bits. Got in the paper once or twice. Nice. And then uh, with tops on and those um, tops on, yeah. I, d- I didn't this time. I actually wore a suit. This okay. as well, I was just saying earlier, I, I won a scholarship before, and I just turned up with like a mustache and long hair and like a leather jacket, tight jeans, and it's like I was full short. This was just like collect your check and go home kind of thing. <laughs> I was it's like the, the fear highest. and loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. Version oh, of and I, it's a brown leather jacket that I'm pretty sure I've since given to either Jimmy Grace or Keenan Callan. It was too small for me, so it's got to be too small for one of those boys. <laughs> uh, small as yeah, so, in though. Yeah, I'm pushing on. I'm going to go work for a company who are based in the UK. Yeah. And we train for them and they send you out to banks to kind of pull you back and forth between the UK and different banks. Um, Where we, so um, is there a direction you'd like to take in any one direction in particular? Yeah, I mean, I just want to, I want to, I'm going to do two years with these. My contracts were two years and I got to do the PRM exams, the risk management exams. So you need two years experience and you need to get your four exams done in two years. Okay. It's not as great a qualification as like say a CPA or whatever, but I am actually very, very interested in risk management. It's also something I've been Okay. that behavioural finance but so yeah I'll, I'll do that and it's this is a very good company I'm excited to work from 
and uh, they offer a lot of benefits. I mean, they pay all my expenses and rent, everything. Nice. And then pay your wage on top of that. It's great. Uh, so that, that'll be a good time. And then I'd like to return at some point, do a master's. And I've heard this company offer you a sabbatical of a year to do that. So oh, nice. if I could stay with those guys, that'd be great. I'll probably do three years, three to four years with the guys. And then I was looking at Oxford, Cambridge or Warwick or Imperial. Mm. One of the talks. You need, you need like 35 grand starting to go there. So I'll take a little bit of time to save that up. Yeah. Sound like a man with a plan. Yeah, I am. Uh, sorry. sorry. Uh, it depends. I mean, I'd, I'd like to get into economics deeper and get into the more academic side of it. I know I've learned a lot. Of, I mean, UCC has been an amazing school to go to. It's, I think it's one of the top economic programs in the country. Consider it. I mean, definitely at the master's level, some of the master's programs trounce like the UCD ones. I know that. It's just comparatively for the stuff, the people they get in and the even just like the the grants that the lecturers get to do research, they they seem very, very sufficient, you know. Okay. Obviously, the research these guys do is unbelievable, like, okay, you know. Nice. So, and they'd be flying around the world, like, giving guest lectures and stuff. So, it's, it's been an amazing place to go. I'm very grateful to all. And again, it's because it's like, Cork's kind of small. If you ever wanted to chat to them about anything or drop them an email, I'd say, hey, I saw this in the paper, I'll get back to you straight away. So, that's been cool. That's cool, man. But I think I would like to go to just see, I know Warwick has a very political economics master's, and Imperial's all research based so I'd like something a bit different and I've, I've kind of it's always good to have two different colleges on your CV and then yeah. maybe I'll come back Friday to Ireland in about 10, 10 or 11 years but Terriers man what that's a dose yeah well it's yeah. got it because it's Jimmy's fault I mean, if, if you, ask anyone, you ask anyone on any, ask any dog on the street everyone says it's your fault purely <laughs> your fault <laughs> no I just made terrible. that terrible no it's, it's Voldemort's we're both leaving on the same weekend okay. he's going to Canada and I'm off I could be sent to Vancouver that'd be great I mean Jimmy could get a jazz trio going <laughs> You'd have to find the third. Oh, yeah. Like that ad up in the jam room. Man looking for band, in, looking for instrumentalist, then in small for three piece. Then at the bottom, also looking for other instrumentalist. <laughs> so it's one dude. I don't know. Is it a joke, man? I think it's dead serious because there's a full on phone number there. No, we used to put stuff up, though. You know, Emmett, no offense. Sorry about this, Emmett. This was us. Emmett from uh, Lamp. Uh, we put up like an ad, like uh, available acting lessons. And then we put out, you know, it was like acting lessons, singing, guitar, the arts. <laughs> and we put up other ones just like, are you into the arts? Do you want, do you want a HBO series <laughs> trained actor? <laughs> so Terriers, Cork will miss you bastards. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Mini started a new band. I don't know if they're any good though. Okay. I think they're just named after an animal. I think they're called Dog or Horse or something. <laughs> rough. They're called <laughs> Rough. They're called yeah, Horse, the band you can ride. <laughs> I heard that on the Wayne one. I loved it. <laughs> We're not, yeah. um, That's good. So the last gig is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, man. Yeah, we're going to do a full hour. I know no, no one wants to see it, but they're getting it. God, man. <laughs> full hour of Terry. <laughs> full hour. People's yeah. minds will be blown. They don't know what to do. We're going to play, play all the, the hits. Oh, we'll play all the hits. Play the whole album, bare one, because what no one. Ever, I mean, I, you can always tell. Like everyone's like, "Yeah, it's a good tune." Then there's always one tune that people take it. That that's my opportunity. Go get a pint. Okay. And so we're like leaving that one out. Is that the really really long one? No, no. man. Well, get out of here. <laughs> we're playing. Not only are we playing that, we got guests. We got we got Coleman coming up. Oh, is he coming up to yeah. do some sweets? We got some he? more guests coming up to play some other sounds. We got some. We're beefing out some of the some of the, oh, the big hits. The radio. Thanks for hits. asking me. That was nice. Did you want in? You didn't even know if you're going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. We recorded yesterday with, with uh, Papa C in our sledgehammer. Amy <laughs> The uh, party dungeon. Oh, man. We recorded. We had we written we've written a few songs, but we're only playing one of the new ones now. But it's one we really like. It's called Vancouver. Mm. Not for any reason that I I know I just got back from Vancouver at that economics uh, competition and Jimmy's moving there, but uh it has nothing to do with that. It was supposed to be called the Great American Novel. And then we wanted to call her after somewhere in America. And I goes, Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was in America. I was just joking, but there you go. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't broadcast this in case I, we hired this guy. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, even yeah, know yeah. where Vancouver <laughs> is. <laughs> it was just a joke. But it's, it's, it's actually my favorite one at the moment. We're going to play it tomorrow and then we'll have it up for a free download. Maybe do a video of it or something. What time are you kicking off? We'll have Hope's Noise will be on just after 10. We'll go on probably just after 11. Okay. And I hope his noise are playing. Word has it. Hope's Noise are playing a lot of the hits as well. I mean, their new stuff's banging. I was lucky enough to hear three of the tracks recorded so far. Okay. Yeah, yeah, They're actually going to come up here and do a good. Little, little interview with me next yeah. week, hopefully. So maybe I get cool some. Maybe, get, maybe get a little listen, yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. got a little listen. I think hopefully me and Minnie will be on the new one too. Don't know, don't know. Minty. Maybe. Old Minty, yeah. It's Minty. <laughs> it's Minty, we should say. <laughs> what was your first band? 
Oh man, Elk. Yeah, with Matt Hedigan, oh, Lewis Hedigan, yeah. Remember that? I'm Hedigan's when I first met you when Kenny was in Ghost Medina. Ah, uh, yeah, that's. In the Kushki lawn, like 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing you in the quad as well, actually. Yeah, we were instrumental. We started singing for a bit and I left. I think I was just working all the time and just on drinking booze or whatever. And I just yeah, didn't yeah. want to go jamming. Mm. And, uh, that happens. That happens. And the lad's got Shane in who's like. I actually used to pay Shane to teach me guitar like five years after he'd been in Elk. Like, I was like, man, I play all them scales. He's like, I can teach you. I teach guitar. I was like, sweet. So I used to pay him like 20 bucks an hour to teach me scales. But having said that, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to jam, play the riffs with Keena if I didn't get those lessons. So it all worked out. Keen's a good guitar player, man. Oh, he's ridiculous. He's man, able yeah. to fucking throw it those just, he, he just learns. He just sits at home and teaches himself, man. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Did he study music, actually? Or is he studying music? He did. Like, he, did a, he did his arts degree. Or he just and then he did a gifted. post. So some kind of post grad or he did some kind of other music course when he finished that but he is just yeah if he picks up anything he can just mm. fix it like the funny thing is I have a terrible ear I, I kind of just like I've got a good memory so I'll just remember what someone's hand does okay. and I'll play it your visual and Keel actually he's like, you know, I think maybe he just thought I always just kind of was able to do things with my ear I was like I can't and he said what's this chord he turned around and played it I just couldn't get it man I just couldn't <laughs> I was like I don't know you know, I but remember hearing him play some tasty little blues riffs up there one day. Like, yeah, oh, he's, he's able to mix it up. Like this new track now, he's just got a sweet country, like oh, nice. like some real good stuff. Major pentatonic stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just I don't even. That's the only one I know. Pentatonic minor. That's what I've learned a few since. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe we could do some pentatonic scales after yeah, this. We will get it done. Yeah. Will we call we'll it. Kettle yeah, will we call yeah, it. No yeah. Kettlebells and fucking riffs. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> bye, uh, bye 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 Sam. <laughs> Bye 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 Barbara. Oh, it's been beautiful. I can hear myself. That sounds good. It sounds in key. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Seb. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me, man. No worries, man.